Y'all doing good? Isn't our praise band just awesome these days? Doing a fantastic job. Um, We are continuing on in our series, God in Baseball, and this week the topic is conversion. And um, conversion is a a really big word, and many people kind of have differing views on it, what have you. But in my mind, when we talk about conversion, it's that something within us changes, that we go from a place in our hearts and our lives to a whole new reality. And Christianity, if it's famous for anything, it's about the ability to help people's lives change and transform in dramatic ways. That Christianity is uh, known for the fact that it can help people uh, get out of places in their lives that are uh, filled with sin, that are wrecked and devastated by uh, whatever is going against their lives to a place where they have new life, a new opportunity, and a new way of looking at the world where previously their hearts were filled with hatred or violence or addiction or uh, you name it, um, that because of what Christ can do in their lives, it can bring them to a whole new place in their life where they're filled with love and peace and grace and mercy. And so when we talk about conversion, that's a lot about what I'm talking about. Now, when we think about it, there are, you know, ways in which we might pretend to, to try and convert. There might be ways that we kind of half-heartedly do it. When we were, uh, my wife and I, when we were serving in uh, Northwest Houston on the 290 freeway, um, we had a group of people in our church that were primarily in that area. They would all come from that area, 290 area. And um, occasionally, uh, we would have a couple that would come visit the church, and I got to know them over time. And it was hard for me to figure out because when they were at our church, they had a great time. They loved it. But usually like nine months out of the year, uh, they didn't show up. And um, I asked them, I said, why is it, um, because I'm I'm that kind of person, I said, why is it that uh, y'all are only here like three months out of the year? And they told me, and this is really, it's always just stuck with me. They said, most of the time uh, we drive into Houston and we go to a really large Houston church. He said, but you know, these summer months, the gas prices go up. And so we, and I was like, well, thanks. I can tell your loyalty just oozes for this church, right? Uh, but it was over gas prices that they were going back and forth. And uh, that's, that's not what we want to see happen. We want to see something greater happen in people's lives than, you know, changing things out of convenience or, you know, what, what works. Um, and there are just profound uh, changes that happen in people's lives when they get close to Christ. And in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he spells out some really amazing things that were happening in that early church because of what Christ was doing. And in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22 today, uh, here's what he says. He says, No longer strangers and aliens. Rather, you are fellow citizens with God's people, and you belong to God's household. As God's household, you are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, With Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone, the whole building is joined together in him and it grows up into a temple that is dedicated to the Lord. Christ is building you into a place where God lives through the Spirit. So that first line, he's he's saying, he says, so now you are no longer strangers and aliens, rather you are fellow citizens with God's people and you belong to God's household. And that's a pretty amazing statement that Paul is making Especially if you consider that in his time, the idea of people who were from a different background. You know, if Paul grew up in the Jewish faith, 
and the idea of people that were not of the Jewish faith coming a part of something that they were doing, it just didn't happen that often. You either were born into it or married into it, perhaps, uh, but you didn't really change your heart in a way that would make you a, uh, a convert, right? And so it's just amazing when Paul begins to talk about it, and he says, you know, the people that were so far from God, uh, the Gentiles, the people that were outside of the Jewish faith, the people that were um, of a different nationality, perhaps, whatever you want to say, and he's saying that because of what Christ did in their lives, that they were able to all come together. And it's not like they surrendered their identity, but rather they all became Christian, and they found unity around Christ. And it's just a, a mind-boggling thing to think about how all that works, because I think the beauty of the church and the church that is best is when you have somebody visit and they look around and they look at the diversity within the church and the, the different people that are there and they go, there's only one way that this would be possible. And that's because these people are united around Christ. You know, that's what makes it work. So not only do we have this promise of significant changes in our lives and this, this conversion thing that's there, but so much more. So let me just ask you a quick question. Do you remember the point in your life where you began to get a sense that there was something greater going on in your world than just the ordinary parts of life? That there's something more than work, something more than being with your family, there's something more than achieving some small goals in your life, that you began to get a sense that there was something greater going on. And because of that, you know, maybe for some of y'all it was that you realized the greatness and the glory and the wonder and the power of Jesus Christ, and your life began to change thereafter. Uh, or maybe it's just that you got a, a sense of God's love in your heart in a profound way, and you knew that there was something far greater going on. Uh, do you remember those moments? Because they're, they're key, they're so important. When we recognize and we say to ourselves, there's something just greater in the world that we have to explore, that we have to pursue, that we have to look at and to know. Uh, it is a key part of our growing into our faith and into God. It's part of our conversion. And when we think about that, um, you know, it, it's more than just a change in appearances. It's a change of our hearts and our lives. Uh, over this past couple of weeks, when we've been doing this God and Baseball series, I've been wearing nothing but Astros jerseys, right? And today, some of you Cubs fans got your hopes up, but then on closer inspection, you realize that I'm in a Rangers shirt, right? And um, it's a dangerous thing to do because typically Astros fans, they love their team and they tend to hate the Rangers for whatever reason. Um, and I'm not saying that y'all, I know y'all are high-minded, y'all are way better than that, but... Uh, you know, oftentimes, if you really love your team, the other thing that goes along with it is you probably hate some other team. Like Yankees fans, nine times out of ten, they absolutely hate the Red Sox, right? And, um, but I, I love this jersey for a couple reasons. One is that about five or six years ago, I did a similar series, and I was up in the Dallas area. And the Dallas area, um, and Tyler particularly, most of them are Rangers fans, Right? And um, so in order to, to preach and to, to have this series go along, I had to buy a Rangers jersey. It was hard for me to do because I grew up as an Astros fan. I mean, it was painful when I first put this thing on. I was like, 
I'm going to go preach, then I'm going to come home, and I'm going to watch an Astros fan game and make up for it, right? Uh, it was painful for me to do. What made it easier, however, was the fact that it's a, a Nolan Ryan jersey, right? And you can't be a good Texan and not like Nolan Ryan, right? Uh, no matter what team he played for, he's Nolan Ryan. And um, if you don't know much about him, I'll give you a quick introduction. I know you're all, thank you, Rick. We love Nolan Ryan. And his tasty beef. Um, that uh, in 1980, I was five, right? Uh, he came over from the Angels and joined the Astros. He was the first million-dollar-a-year Major League Baseball player. Fantastic pitcher. He still holds the record for strikeouts. And um, he uh, came to the Astros, did a fantastic job. I think it was like six years later, for more money, he went to the Rangers, right? And um, it's always tough when that happens. We love our players. We love those people. But as the great comedian Jerry Seinfeld once pointed out, he said, really, when it comes down to it, Major League Sports, we're all just cheering for laundry. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's the same player, but different laundry. Not the kind of conversion we're looking for either. So what begins to happen in our lives? Well, <clears throat> when Paul spells it out, he says that when we get a glimpse, when we get a taste of something greater going on in our lives than just the day-to-day, the, -day, the routines, the basic goals in our lives, he says this. He says, as God's household, you're built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. The whole building is joined together in him, and it grows into a temple that is dedicated to the Lord. Christ is building you into a place where God lives through the Spirit. Christ is building you into a place where God lives through the Spirit. So more than just a one-time moment or a one-time decision, what Paul is outlining for these people's lives and ours as well is that he's saying that it's something that happens over time, that we begin in a place where we are strangers or foreigners and we begin to have an indoctrination, a conversion, a, a time in which we learn and we grow and we Full, we fulfill our goal as to being built on the foundations of the prophets, being built into Christ. And think about that. One of the best gifts that Paul gives us, and he's saying, at one time you were far from God. Isn't that humbling to think about? At one time you were far from God. That no matter how long you've been a Christian, or how long you have been following Christ, or whether or not you are junior varsity or varsity Christian or however you want to look at it. He said, at one point, you were far from God. Do you remember becoming part of a church or going to Sunday school for the first time and, and not knowing everything that you that thought you needed to know? Um, one of the hardest parts of this whole baseball series is that I've had to watch a number of baseball movies. I mean, it's a rough gig, folks, having to watch <laughs> baseball movies. And this week I watched The Sandlot. Anybody like The Sandlot? Yes. Um, I watched it for the first time. I'd never seen it before. Um, can't say I grasp why everybody loves it so much, but it was a cool movie. And, um, <clears throat> but there's this fantastic part where they're outside the convenience store, and there's this young boy who had, didn't even know how to throw a baseball at the beginning of the movie, doesn't know anything about baseball, and he's in with a group of kids that play baseball every day. They love the game. They know all the facts. And one of the kids that knows everything, he says to him, he says, do you even know who Babe Ruth is? And the boy who didn't know anything, he's like, no. And they all laugh at him. And Paul says, let's not forget 
at one point, we were all far from God. And that's so important for us to remember because it says no matter how good we think we are or how bad we think we are, that we all begin at the same place. It says we were once far from God, strangers and aliens to who God was. It says, but because of what Christ has done for us, something equally amazing happens. He says that because of what Christ has done for us, we can draw near to God, draw near to who God wants us to be, that we become heirs and co-heirs to the inheritance that is in Christ Jesus. And so at one point, you know, Christ humbles us, reminds us that we can't do this on our own, but rather it's God who draws near. And at the same time, he's saying, but it's not as if we are worthless or that we are beyond repair, but rather that God affirms us and says, I have given you my son as your savior to be the one who reminds you in continual basis of your great worth, of your great value, that I would give him in order to gain your salvation. So those two parts are, are what's at work in our hearts. That, that humbling grace that God gives us, that reminds us that we're not better than other people. You know, Luke chapter 18, in which there's the, the man who's praying in the temple, and he says, Lord, I just thank you for not making me like the tax collectors and the other sinners. You know, the kind of that, that salvation by comparison thing that goes on. And then the man says, you know, have mercy on me, a sinner. That humble reality, as, long, as well as the, the promise of what can be in Jesus Christ. And it is amazing what God can do, not only bringing people uh, far from God, closer to Him, but different backgrounds, but the way it just continues to, to work in our hearts and our lives. Um, we could not put together the whole clip because it would just take too long, but the other baseball movie that I, I loved um, last couple of weeks was A League of Their Own. I'm sure some of you all have seen that. Um, it has a, a, a minor known actor named Tom Hanks in it, and... Uh, Tom plays the role of Jimmy Duggan, who is a Major League Baseball player who is assigned the task of coaching an all-women's team. And if you know the movie, he begins that role uh, absolutely hating it. Remember? He shows up to the first couple games drunk because he doesn't want to be there. And he hates it, he despises it, and yet over time, he begins to get a glimpse and an image, an idea of, of what could be. And at the end of the movie, he, of course, is completely sold on the idea of being the manager for a women's team. His heart changes from a place of selfishness to a place of generosity and love and giving all that he can into that. So for you, do you remember the moments in which God has reached into your life? Those powerful times in which God reached beyond what you normally would expect and spoke a truth into your heart or your life, a, a moment in which all of a sudden you saw things in a, a whole new way? Do you remember those times in which you moved from one place in your Christian faith to a whole new reality because God drew you closer? God brought you closer to where you might be. And... Um, when we think about all those things, it's that continual call upon our hearts and our lives to let God show us something new, 
to let God show us something even greater, to not get lost in us thinking to ourselves, man, if I took that next step, what would that mean for my life? You know, to not look at those moments when God is calling us and say to ourselves, what would it mean if all of a sudden I go from somebody who's just kind of pacing through life to somebody who's on fire for God? To not get caught up in the ideas and saying, you know, what, what would it mean if all of a sudden I go from somebody who is ashamed and filled with guilt to somebody who has life and is filled with love and grace and mercy to other people, but rather to continue to thank and praise God for where he's leading us to, to revealing new things day by day by day and trusting where he will take us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you meet us where we're at. That no matter what has gone on in our past or what our background might be, you reach out to us. And by your grace, by your mercy, you claim us and you invite us into your, your household to be part of your family. Gracious God, I, I lift up to you all of those people that are here today uh, that are struggling that don't know what it is to be a part of the household of faith, that are unsure whether or not that they are your child or belong to some other family. We pray, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit and with your presence in this time. Help them to know that they are yours, that you alone are their savior, and that you love them so dearly. Gracious God, all these things we pray and ask in Jesus' name.